Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. I've been watching, many of you know this coming week or the, uh, is the NFL draft and uh, watching how the Texans are doing. I'm a big Texans fan. I, I love the team and uh, as many of us are. I do notice on, on Sundays in football season that, that it's not unanimously a Texans congregation. I, I see a few other um, jerseys around and particularly a few cowboy jerseys. Yeah, I knew I was going to get that. Um, but I, I'm, not, I'm not a cowboy hater, okay? Let me just be clear. Um, I know I, I've met some haters, and, and that's okay. Uh, but, but I'm not a hater. Uh, in fact, part of my connection goes back a long time ago. I, growing up in central Louisiana, you know, back then, you, you were pretty limited. There was no satellite. And, and the football, the pro football that we tended to get on our local station or stations was more out of Dallas than out of Houston, uh, at that time. So uh, I was hearing about the Cowboys back then, and mainly I was hearing about the Cowboys because of Tom Landry, this incredible coach that really inspired me. Um, and as time went on, you know, I learned and observed more of his humility, his integrity, and, and learned that he was also a man of deep Christian faith. Um, so it wasn't surprising to me as we were looking at this topic of, of entitled, this, the, I come across an example out of his life that really spoke to me and and what we're looking at today. Uh, Back in the mid-60s, there was a a starting free safety for the Cowboys named Obert Logan. And he tells the story of the time Landry was scheduled to speak at an athletic banquet for his school in 1989. And it was around that time in February, though, many of you recall, where uh, Jerry Jones then bought the Texan, I mean the, not the Texans, the Cowboys, and very quickly ended up firing Tom Landry. And um, in, in the midst of all of that, the, the city of Dallas was, was wanted to honor him. I, I, I'm sure they were upset, but they, at least they wanted to honor him and, and wanted to hold a parade in his honor. And so they, they proposed a date for that, and unfortunately, it was the same date as when Landry had already committed to go and speak to Logan's school. Uh, Logan understood and immediately called up Landry to tell him, hey, I understand, you know, you couldn't have helped this, uh, please, do the parade, it's okay if you missed the banquet. But Landry said to him, Obert, my commitment is to you, and I'm going to fulfill it. They can have that parade another weekend. And, and that was amazing. And, and they did. They did change it. And, and Coach Landry kept his word, his, his integrity, by speaking that day to a room full of high schoolers instead of allowing Dallas to throw him a parade. And, and yeah, the thing about it is Landry was, was clearly deserving of whatever Dallas wanted to do for him. Here was a guy who had been their, their coach for a long time, who in fact had 20 years straight of winning seasons, which had never been done at that point. An incredible record. Uh, uh, and, and so it would have been understandable for him to switch. But Landry believed that there is great value and importance in keeping our commitments, even when it's hard. 
Unfortunately, entitlement thinking, which is the result of sin that is in all of us, all of us struggle with this to some degree, often abandons commitment and serving for what, for what seems to be something better. We've been looking at this based on a book by John, Dr. John Townsend called The Entitlement Cure. Uh, we, we had some more. I told you all last week, the early service slugs bought them all. We got some more. I think there's someone in there that doesn't want you all to have the book here. They bought them again. So we'll, we'll, we'll try again next week. But again, we have the, um, the link that you can go to Amazon and, and get that as well. So that's not really the big deal. But anyway, he defines it in his book as the belief that I am exempt from responsibility and I'm owed special treatment. And that those may not, they may not always go together. It may be an either and or a both and. And, and some of us, quite honestly, experience this in a, in a few areas of our lives. But there are some people, maybe even a fair number of people, maybe you work with some of those people, maybe they're in your family, for which this is really kind of a dominant mindset of their lives. And that God's desire is that we have life that works and works best, and that is not entitled thinking. And so today we're going to continue looking at habits that break the entitled approach to life. If you've been with us, last week we looked at the first two of four habits that help us break that, and, and today we'll be looking at two more. If you missed that, you can certainly go to our, our website and download the podcast of that, the audio podcast, or you can go to our Facebook page and actually watch the video of that. But those first two habit busters that we looked at last week were, first, change I deserve to I am responsible, and second, do the hard things first. Do the hard things first. So again, if you miss those, if those are something that's speaking to your life, know that you can, you can still catch those. This morning, we're going to turn to the third habit buster, and it is to keep inconvenient commitments. Keep inconvenient commitments. That's exactly what Coach Landry did. How many of us have had similar experiences where we, we set, set up something with a friend, the friend calls us at kind of the last minute and says, well, I had something else come up. Or, I, you know, what you find out later is they had a better offer or what they thought was a better offer. Or they had a chance to go do something, even though they'd committed to you, and, and so they head off to do it. Or a business backs out of a contract because someone offers them a better deal. The culture of entitlement is, is, is against commitments, and, and it loves to avoid them if it can. Entitlement says, if a commitment's hard, let it go, because people will understand. They'll get over it, and, and it's, that's, you know, it, it's what's best for me. But King David, 3,000 years ago, in Psalm 15, wrote, Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? In other words, that was his, his eternal home. And, and he goes through a couple of verses and lists some things, and then he comes to verse 4. He says, the one who keeps an oath even when it hurts and does not change their mind. I mean, how many marriages have failed because it got hard and one person bailed? I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to point fingers. I'm not trying to make anybody feel uncomfortable but what we know is, for a lot of people, marriages aren't covenants, they're contracts. And if they don't get what they want, they bail. But folks, that has never been, at least through the Christian community, the understanding of a marriage. 
How many folks do you know who are consistently late for their, for their meetings with you? And, and they usually have a good reason. There's always some, 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 something there. But then there are other people you know that no matter what's going on in their life, they make it when they tell you they're going to be there. How many businesses honor a sale price even when someone made a mistake? Uh, you know, we, we got to acknowledge keeping commitments can be hard. And, and sometimes keeping a commitment is going to hurt. It's going to cost us. We're going to have to sacrifice. It may even put us at a disadvantage. But somewhere folks have gotten this idea that we shouldn't have to suffer or hurt. And if something's asking too much of me, even though I committed to it, it's okay to get out of it. And you and I can think of lots of places and lots of people and maybe even our own lives where some of those things have happened. It, it's really, though, a very self-serving attitude. It's about me. It's about my comfort. It's about my convenience. It's about what works in my situation. But the Bible affirms throughout keeping commitments, even when they're inconvenient, even when they're hard saying that's the right way to live. David said the folks who keep these commitments, even when it's hard, they're the ones who get to live with God in all his splendor. And, and there's a very big reason why it's important for all of us to keep commitments, even the hard ones. It helps others recognize that they can trust you and me. We can trust in fact, research into businesses and into success proves exactly what the Bible is saying here, that being trustworthy is critical to successful relationships, both personally and, and in the business world. Proverbs 12.22 says, The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. We're all drawn to that, aren't we? Aren't we all drawn to people who we know when they tell us something, it's the truth. When they say they're gonna do something, they're there. When they make a promise, we don't have to wonder if they're crossing their fingers behind their back or if they're waiting for a better deal to come along. No relationship can work without each person being trustworthy. I didn't find this in writing, but it occurred to me this week that the definition of a healthy relationship is quite simply trust. Look at any significant relationship and see if there's trust. Dr. Townsend says there are two kinds of trust that exist in our relationships. Both of them strengthen the relationships as we do them, as we live them out, as we prove ourselves. The first one is functional trust. And that's simply how reliable, how dependable I am. And we do things like getting things to team members before the deadline so people aren't waiting on us. We arrive at a meeting or a meal that we're scheduled to be at a few minutes early, demonstrating that the event, the meeting, whatever it may be, and especially the people connected to them are important. Some of you have heard, I've heard, you know, someone, there's been some people in my life who said to me, if you get there on time, you're late. There you go. Because you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to get in the way, along the way. And, and, and after a while, there's some of us who just start, it just starts to become a, a, a pattern. You, you always go to events or functions in which you said you were going to be there. You told someone, I'll be there. 
And when you borrow something, maybe it's money, but it could be just something else from a friend, you always get it back to them on time or even sooner so they don't have to come and nag you about it. These are traits that are absolutely necessary for effectiveness in the workplace, but especially in all of our relationships. The second kind of trust after functional trust is relational trust. And this is the kind of trust that comes from being a safe person when someone shares something vulnerable about themselves with us. We can hear folks talk about their hurts, their needs, their mistakes, their struggles, their weaknesses, and and a whole lot more. And, And we can listen to them in ways that don't leave them feeling regret that they ever told us any of that. It's hard for someone to open up about those things. You've probably done it. Maybe to a loved one, to a parent, to a child, to a spouse, to a friend. And you know in the moment when you're doing it, you feel vulnerable. You're you're laying yourself out there. You're showing a part of yourself that maybe they haven't seen before. And you're not even sure if you're comfortable with it, much less telling anybody else. And you're really, you're really watching to see how they're going to respond because it would be so easy in that moment for them to hurt you, to take it and use it against you at some point. But when they they share those things with us, it's their way of saying, I'm trying to trust you. I wanna trust you, I believe I can trust you. Folks who are inclined toward entitlement though, will often take those things and try to, to one-up them, relating to a situation, well, you know, I, I, I know you're hurting, but you should have seen how bad it was when I did this. You know, it's always their situation is bigger or worse or whatever it may be. Or they give a very flip answer when somebody is talking about something really heavy and hard on their heart. And you just know they're not listening. Or they try to use, use humor because they're really uncomfortable. It's, it's a challenge and it's hard to hear. And, and some people are uncomfortable with that and so they throw out some quick humor, but sometimes it's really inappropriate. Or you don't realize that they keep score. And sooner or later, it's gonna come back to haunt you. Because they're gonna look for a place at work or in your relationship, in your marriage, whatever it may be, they're counting, they're counting and they're gonna come back and they're gonna zing you with it. And the truth is these kinds of responses, these ways of approaching that entitle people to do, they're the quick way, they're the easy way. But going deep isn't easy. It's not convenient. It's, it's, it's often messy. And yet it is also what, what creates strong relationships, which, what builds bonds between you and another person. Folks who are relationally trustworthy don't try to get away from your struggle, but they wanna listen. In fact, they wanna go deeper if they can. They go out of their way, they're willing to make personal sacrifices for the sake of others. They let their friends have their own feelings and, and they, don't, they don't look down on them if, 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 it's a, if it's a surprising feeling or something they didn't expect. They don't get judgmental or try to one-up them. And, and they seldom offer advice unless asked or really feel led by God that there's something really important to say. They realize that finishing a project that they're working on will feel good to them, it will give them closure, it'll enable them to accomplish something, but if it makes them late for a meeting with a family member or a coworker or another place, often they choose to leave 
on time to get there rather than feeling like it's okay to get closure, it's okay to finish. Because the relationship is what counts. All of us need both the functional side and the relational side of trust for healthy relationships. And whether, whether it's personal ones or it's work. This, this applies equally in our work settings. And as we keep those commitments, as we prove trustworthy, no matter what the other person does, we become better husbands and wives. We become better parents and children. We become better friends and coworkers and bosses and employees. Entitled folks may think everyone will understand, but they're really taking advantage of others because they feel exempt from responsibility. They feel like they're owed special treatment. It'll be okay. Ultimately, the reason we, we choose to keep our commitments, even the uh, inconvenient ones, is because we, we have empathy for the other person. We, we have the love of God for the other person. We are looking out for them. We care about them. And if we care about them, then we care about what our behaviors, in what ways our behaviors may affect them. When, when we're reliable, when we do what we say, when we work at it, then, then their lives, their jobs, all those things go better. But when we let them down by failing to keep our commitments, even when it's not our intention, we bring disruption to their lives. I mean, there's, there, there's, there are ripple effects to those decisions that we make. And it's hard enough when we have no control, but when we have control and we still do it, it really is suddenly more about me than about them. It's why Jesus gave us what has simply been called the golden rule, Matthew 7, 12. He says, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the es essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. In other words, everything that's come before in the Scripture, that's, the, that's where it all gets summed up. He taught this because when we consider what others need and how we can best show love to them, being committed, being trustworthy, demonstrates and builds those things and encourages the other person to respond in like manner. Now, does it mean they will? Not necessarily. You can be committed. You can be trustworthy. That doesn't mean your boss or your coworker will. That doesn't mean your friend or your family member will. Hear me. Not, this isn't about being naive. But I guarantee you, if you're not, nothing will ever change. If you're not, there's no in incentive. You're just giving back what they gave. It's just, you know, dog eat dog. That's the way it is in the world. If you want something to change, you can't change them, but you can change yourself by the grace of God. And you can start being different. And you know, sometimes we feel like if they take advantage of me, I, I, I need to strike back. But I would suggest to you that they're the ones that's going to ultimately have to answer for that. They're, they're the ones that are scarring their integrity, their soul. How do we respond? What do we do? That's all that you and I can be responsible for. And, and yes, people are, are, are mean sometimes, and they're unfair, and they won't treat you right. But the question is, are we going to stoop to their level? Or are we going to offer the grace of God? Now, understand that grace often leads to a cross. Again, not trying to kid us here. But the cross was victory. 
And that's the choice you and I have to face. It's not about a guilt trip, but, to, but in any of us to point out that we often have more impact than we realize. And so looking for ways to make it a good impact, not a bad one, it's very powerful. It's very God-honoring. Even when it's inconvenient, even when it's hard, it goes a long way in building trust and growing our relationships. Our fourth habit buster, the second one for this morning, is to engage in service. The person who, who tends to feel entitled believes the world's there for them. The world exists around me for my sake. So when I'm living that out, I'm expecting things to come my way. And, and to break that habit, we've got to realize that we are placed here by God for the sake of others. I'm not here simply for me. Neither are you. We are all here for the sake of those around us, for the sake of those we, we engage, for the sake of the ones that we can have an impact on. The entitled person sees the, the world in a very distorted way with everyone and everything there for their sake, to serve them, which is that exactly why serving others then is such a powerful habit buster because it goes completely against the grain. Jesus, the Son of God, more than anyone else who ever walked this planet, was entitled as the Son of God, as the creator of all existence, he, more than anybody else, has been entitled to special privileges. And yet, that's not how he lived. Even, even in those first years after his death, the testimony of, of those first Christians, we, we see in Philippians 2, what probably was actually a hymn even before the Apostle Paul wrote it, says, Through Christ, though Christ Jesus was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to, to brag about, to say, look at me. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. He didn't do that because it was convenient or easy for him. He did that precisely for you and me and calls us to follow him. He testified that he had not come for a life of privilege, but a life of sacrifice and service for the sake of others. Jesus himself, in his own words, said, even the Son of Man, talking about himself, came to be served, not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Ransom here refers to Jesus' ultimate act of, of serving others, of serving us, of, of us here, and, and of those who've never even walked through the doors of any church in this world. He still served them in obedience to God by giving his life on the cross to pay for our punishment, to pay for our sin. So engaging in service is following Jesus. It's being obedient to him. And, and as we make this a habit Something we, we intentionally do, not an occasional one-time activity that, that others should be either grateful for or thank us and all that kind of stuff. It becomes more and more a part of our soul. It's what starts to change us. We don't change by just thinking about it. We have to do. We have to engage. We have to work at it. It busts through these feelings of entitlement in our lives. Serving is ultimately not about us but about loving our neighbor and following Jesus. It, in fact, is the prescription 
We're battling entitled thinking. And what's interesting, according to Dr. Townsend, he says in research, it's been discovered that when we're serving for the right reasons, not so I can get something out of it, not so I can, you know, suck up to somebody, we're doing it for the right reasons, even if it's not what we feel, but we're, we're attempting to intentionally do that. He says the brain secretes hormones that make us feel good and even happy because we matter and we're making the world a better place. In fact, Townsend calls serving God's Prozac. I mean, who would have thought? It is God's system of reinforcing within us that this is the way we are created, that we are created for the sake of others rather than for ourselves. And so you need to hear that when we here at Gateway, when we, our staff and our leaders and, and all those strongly, in fact, very strongly encourage you to serve, it's not simply because we have needs for our sake, though there is some truth to that in that when we fail to serve, when some of you fail to be a part of what God is wanting to do in and through you, it then limits how often and how effective we are in reaching out to others, especially on Sunday mornings, but throughout the week, in fact, but on Sunday mornings where we want to use every bit of our space and every resource we have uh, to, to reach those, to serve others, especially those who have no church home or, or have not committed their life to Christ. And if we don't have enough people serving, then the mission that we have on, as a part of what we do on Sunday morning is limited. We can't do as much. We can't be as impactful. We can't make as much of a difference as we could if we all did our part. But ultimately, valuing servanthood, it's one of our values, and encouraging every person who comes through these doors to serve is in fact very strategic, very intentional on our parts to fulfill our mission to lead everyday people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. You, you and I cannot become more like Christ unless we're also serving, because that was, the, that was the essence of what Christ was doing. You can't say, I don't need to serve in order to move toward Christ. You are, in fact, deluding yourself, which is exactly what the enemy wants us to do. In fact, serving beyond the walls of our church, we call that serving our world, whether it's serving the homeless downtown or through Mercy Tree right here in the Bay Area, or helping folks who, who've experienced flooding this past week, my goodness, and, 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 and all that goes there. And not only do you have an opportunity, we put stuff in there about how you can write a check or give online for that, but we're also searching for information as to how we can equip you to go and physically do something in the coming days and weeks, and we'll have more about that on our, our website. Or, or going on a mission trip to help people who, who typically we would say they have less than we do, they're struggling, they get by on what they have, and yet they have such incredible gratitude and grace that it really opens our, our eyes to, to entitlement in us. It, it, we look at them and we say, look, they, are, they have so little. I mean, we, we, we've been on some of these trips where people are fortunate to have two change of clothes. And we may go through three changes of clothes in one day. Where, where we take for granted clean water. And some of them have to walk for miles, if at all. And when you start getting into those kinds of settings, it opens our eyes to how much we have. And it's not a guilt trip as much as it is a gratitude thing and a humbling thing for what God has done. But, but learning more, which is a good thing, 
and even feeling inspired, feeling like, man, you spoke to us today, preacher, or whatever, but by themselves, if you don't do anything, they don't move the ball down the field. They feel good. They, they sound great. But listen, we're not here simply for ourselves. We're here for the sake of the world. It says in James, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. In other words, while we are only saved by grace through faith, let me be very clear about that. At the same time, if there are no works, if there are no good deeds, if there is no serving of others, then the Bible says, do we, have, do we really have faith? Jesus said, does a fruit, does a tree that doesn't produce any fruit, is it worth anything? And therefore, if there is no fruit, if there is no good works, is there any salvation? And some of us need to really think about that. Somewhere in our past, maybe we thought, okay, I just say the magic words, you know. Jesus, I love you. I trust you. And we've bought our fire insurance. But I'm, I want to tell you, I want to tell you as clearly as I can, God does not look at just what we say. God looks at our hearts and what our intentions are. And you can fool me and you can fool your friends and you may even sometimes fool yourself. But you cannot fool God. And, if you, and, and, and so it, understand that real faith always, always, always manifests itself in action, in works, in some way, in some setting. And, and it's not limited to here at the church. We give you intentional opportunities to do it here. And that is a place where you ought to. But in fact, the majority of your serving shouldn't be here because you're only here a couple of hours a week. What about the other 144? Those other 142 or 143 hours, you ought to be doing the same kinds of things in your workplace, in your school, in your family, in your home, with your neighbors, in your, or your sports teams, in your dance groups. It ought to not be something I can check off my list that, look, I did it today. It ought to be a part, it ought to become, by the grace of God, a part of our soul where my eye is looking. And I, I'm telling you that I'm preaching to me too here. I work on that. I listen to people who can talk about, they'll go into the grocery store and they look and see, you know, God, what, is there somebody here you want me to talk with? And sometimes I'm just going to the grocery store because I'm looking for some bacon. And I'm working on that. But I believe that the Word of God tells us that it goes far beyond just simply what is easy or convenient or one hour a week. It becomes part of our lives, our lifestyle. Anytime, in any place where we might be feeling a little bit privileged, where that's a little bit beneath me, where I shouldn't have to do that, those may be precisely the places where the habit of serving busts through some entitled feelings. And because it's a feeling, that means that I may not feel naturally led to serve. If you did, if, if it was about just feelings, everything would make a whole lot more sense. 
because a lot of us don't feel it all the time. We, we do it sometimes to gain status or recognition, but just feeling it, a lot of times it's, it's not there. I'm just be honest. But serving, therefore, is first and foremost then a matter of the will, a choice, a decision we make to take a next step in our journey with Christ. We may have to start when we don't feel like it or flat out don't want to. But we make that choice to battle entitlement and more importantly to help us follow Jesus and to become more like him. It's a decision to do what's hard and right versus what is safe and easy and self-serving. And parents, we need to also think about that because our kids watch us and, and what choices are we modeling to them? We'll talk more about that in, in other areas next week. Early on as I was starting in ministry, I had the opportunity to lead a group of single young adults on a mission trip to Appalachia, a place of great need where a lot of things that I took for granted, that many of us take for granted, um, are not there. And so we went there and, and God used us to do some really great stuff, to paint and, and help and do a number of things. It was, a, it was an incredible week. And um, I'd put a lot of work in. I was a staff person responsible in helping organize it and I'd put in a fair amount of work. And so as we're coming back, you know, I'm kind of thinking, man, glad that's over. That was a lot of work. But, but thankfully, the folks on the trip were thinking something very different. As we were driving, I still remember, I don't remember what town it is. We were going through a, going through a, a, a medium-sized city, and, and we were, I was driving, and there were some of them seated up, close, seated up close to me, and they started saying, Randy, why can't we do this at home? Why can't we go find some people in Tyler, which is where we were from at the time, and, and find some ways to help some folks there? Because we saw how bad it was there, but, but there's some people in Tyler that are going through a lot of stuff too. And, and I'm just kind of sitting there and, and thinking, I'm just kind of grateful that we got through all we did, and they're looking so far beyond what I was doing. And, and it was so wonderful. They started brainstorming stuff we could do when we get back home. And within a few weeks, they had organized several days of, of serving, on, working on a home of a family that had some serious needs. And they kept doing things like that and, and kept encouraging us and helping us look for other ways to do that, to, to, to serve in their church to their world and, and just serving folks in general in their daily lives. And in the midst of going, they realized that they were created to serve, just as Jesus was. He, he, he said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve, because he was who they were following. He is who we follow, and serving is what his volunteers, his followers do. And I have seen that pattern played out time after time after time. We talk about mission trips and, and going, and, and we offer a, a number of trips each year, and we go, and, and there are profound opportunities to help people who have, in many cases, so, so much differently less than we do. But when a, when a mission trip really works, when it really works, then it also awakens, I've discovered, in us 
the reality that what I did going off there, I can do just as easily here, and I don't have to do it just one week out of the year traveling. I can do that here as often as there are opportunities, as often as God opens the door for me to do that. That living that way of being a serving person becomes not something I do occasionally, but becomes a part of my life, my lifestyle every day. I mean, I, I'm convicted that mission, I've been convicted, mission trips are not just we get to go help, which we do. Many of us know we have done incredible, God has done incredible things through Gateway through the years, but that it is so much more because it opens within us a way to reach out. And for some of us, we have to go somewhere else before we figure out we can do it here. Some of us figure it out sooner, but some of us it takes a while. But that's why we do those things. We have a mission team leaving for Haiti on May 9th, and, and you've been giving balls for that. And so many people have done great. They tell me we've gotten quite a few. We will still accept them up to, through this evening for the, um, the, at the baptisms. And, and by the way, they're going to they're gonna release the air out of all those balls. I, I looked at that video every time we show it, and, you know, and they're putting these big basketballs on there thinking, dude, you can't get many basketballs in there. But if you let all the air out and it goes flat, yeah, you can. You can, you can do a lot. So I know none of you were thinking that, but, but that was running through my mind. But, um, and, and, and here we, we've seen a week where an incredible amount of flooding in parts of our Houston area. And it is wonderful for those of us who can and will give. But, it, but what about the opportunities to go and help somebody right here? And as soon as we get some concrete information, it's going to be on our website, and we're going to make it available um, for, for you to find that information. In fact, on our website's Find It page, which you can access with your, your phone or online in a typical way, uh, near the top on the Find It page, we list things heard about on Sunday. And, and we've moved several things into there, like uh, giving for flood relief, um, where you can serve here on Sundays, a, a, a form that you can fill out to start that process, to get into, onto our missions and outreach page to just see stuff in general that God is using us to do, as well as a couple of links near the top of that page to stay informed on, on uh, local outreach opportunities like here in Houston, as well as being notified of upcoming mission trips. And, and any of all, or all of those things are gonna cost you. They're going to cost you time, and in some cases, they will cost you money. But whatever it is, they will also help you experience more of God's best and help you live the way God created you to live, to be in serving. And, and if sometimes it takes us going somewhere else or helping someone else to re realize that we can also then serve in my family and serve at my school, you know, I can serve in my neighborhood, then it's worth it. It's a, it's a good step. It's a positive step that the enemy doesn't want us to do. The Bible says the enemy, the thief can't, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The enemy loves entitlement thinking because it avoids anything hard. It works against everything we've talked about. And, and it seems like the easy way that it spells out of not doing that stuff and taking care of number one and, and, and not volunteering in the long run becomes the harder way because your life just isn't in harmony with the way God created you to live. And it, it just, it, things don't work. But those are sometimes the harder things to put your handle on. And that's why we offer concrete things of ways to move forward. 
Dr. Townsend has defined God's way as, he calls it the hard way, the habit of doing what is best rather than what is comfortable to achieve a worthwhile outcome. And that's why we encourage you to take a next step, a step in your Christian journey and do it today. In your notes, there's a place at the bottom, backside, what's the next step I will take today? For some of us, it helps to write it down, to make it concrete. See if there is a step you really kind of know that, excuse me, that you need to take, but you've been putting it off. And today, go for it, or go out and talk to our folks in the next steps area, and God will walk through you in every step of that journey, because he made you for that. He made you for that. Not for your convenience, not because it's easy or, or, or any of that, but to help you have a rich and abundant life, to make a difference. And you can't experience that anywhere else. Trust him. Take a step. And if you want more, read more of some of this, the book information is there. A reminder for some of you, a next step is to be baptized. Right after this service, down in our Life Center, we'll have a class about that, and at five o'clock today, we're gonna be baptizing. We already know of a number of folks who, will, who have committed that they wanna do that. And some of you, that's a commitment maybe you need to make and take today. And for the rest of us to come and cheer them on. Or uh, if you need to make you're struggling with some stuff, or you need to make a, just simply a commitment to Christ. Our prayer team, just a moment, is gonna be right down here, and they would love to talk with you. And then maybe there's something in your life that is really hard to admit. It's, it's something that's been eaten at you, something that you've been doing that you know is kind of entitled. These guys, they're not gonna go, oh, did you hear the story about, no. They're gonna, they're gonna pray for you. They're gonna keep it confidential. But they're gonna pray because we believe that with the help of God, it can change. You can change. So I encourage you, let them do that. And if you're a guest today, if you're here for the first time or very new, some of us will be out here to say hi. Gateway family, if you brought someone or you met someone, encourage them to come over there and say hi to us. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are an incredible God who loves us. And yet the model you have given us is not because you are God or you have all this stuff that somehow... You're entitled. I mean, if anybody's entitled, you're entitled. But you sent Jesus who sacrificed, who gave up so much for our sake as the model for how you created us to live. And so, Father, help us to follow him today. Help us to trust you more. Help us to discern places and ways that we can step out in faith and take a next step. Help us, Father, as we battle in all of us some degree of entitled thinking. And for some of us, Father, it really is a big deal. And for others of us, Father, there are people we know for which this is a struggle. And help us to be positive witnesses, be your witnesses, your ambassadors into their lives. Not that we can change them, but we can be consistent, we can be faithful in what we can do. And Father, you have promised us that that is a powerful testimony to those who do not understand. We ask these things, we pray, Father, because ultimately we're here because of you, for you, and we want to walk with you and serve you. Enable that in each and every one of us, Father, we pray this morning in Jesus' name.
Amen. God bless you. See you this afternoon and next week. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.